a competitive spirit and just really dial in and truly taking it one day at a time and focus on what lies ahead and that is improvement. This is where Wisconsin gathers to talk sports. Packers, Brewers, Badgers, Bucks. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Now, here's your host, Grant Bills. Fleur's press conference earlier today actually has me feeling pretty good. You know, a lot of times Matt Lafleur takes the podium and maybe he stutters a little bit. Who doesn't get nervous and stutter when they're talking in front of a bunch of people every once in a while? You know, sometimes Matt Lafleur shrinks a little bit when he talks in front of a bunch of people. I actually feel great about Matt Lafleur today after watching his presser. Talked a lot about some of the young guys and the progress that they're making and what that progress looks like. I think we should have a fairly positive Packers show today. And we'll see. Mike Clemens is going to be here at 530. So we'll see. Maybe Mike comes in hot and he'll be like, Grant, let me tell you what. This Matt LaFleur character, he ain't it. He sounded like a buffoon at his press conference today. And then I'll be like, oh, I, I agreed. Yep. Uh, I Same takeaway, Mike. Yep. Great minds, think, great minds think alike. I don't know. I think we're about to have some positive Matt LaFleur discourse on tonight's show. It should be the first time in a couple of weeks. I like some positivity. I don't like being negative all the time. I don't like ripping people all the time. It's not what sports talk should be. So I'm excited to talk Packers tonight. We do have to start with the NBA. Some Bucks news today. Maybe we'll talk a little playoff baseball as well. Should be a really fun show. This is the Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills, and I am on Twitter at Wisco Grant. If you'd like to follow me or contribute to the show in any way, that's where you can do so. You can find me on Twitter, like I said, at Wisco Grant. You can call the show if you'd like, 608 321 1670 Mike Clemens is going to be here in a bit he called me this afternoon from the Bay Motel just to give me a little bit of a rundown on what's been going on in Green Bay today what he saw practice with this player and with that player I was like talking with Mike not on the radio it's funny I've talked to Mike oh lord when did Bill join our network Mike shortly after sort of been somewhere around 2021 I suppose it would have been somewhere in there And Mike has been on my show twice a week, 54 weeks a year, but only counting Packers. I'm not equipped to do this math on air. I have talked, put it this way, to Mike Clemens countless times. I've spent countless minutes, hours communicating with Mike, but it's always in the form of the show. So we're always on air. We're always, oh, Mike, how are you today? (laughs) Well, Grant, I'm doing good. Like, I've never met Mike in person. And I don't often speak to him outside of the confines of this show. So it was kind of nice to chat with him earlier this afternoon, get a a little bit of a rundown and a feel for what we're going to talk about at 530 with a matchup against the Broncos looming on Sunday. I'm a little nervous about this game because there's a lot of takes being thrown around where it's like, man, if they lose this game, if they don't win this game, if the offense doesn't look good in this game, a lot of must win energy makes me very nervous. The last time we did this was the Raiders game, and then they did not win the Raiders game, of course, and then we freaked out for three days. I would like to avoid the freak out. This was a year where we weren't supposed to freak out. Our expectations have lowered. We're starting from scratch with a lot of young players, uh, very much a rebuilding year on offense, so we can calm down. We can cool off. 
just a little bit. So we'll talk about the Packers with Mike Clemens at 530. We'll probably have some Matt LaFleur discussions. I want to talk about Brian Gutekunst as well coming up at 430, probably after we take some phone calls. But I do want to begin the show by opening up the NBA lounge. Wasn't planning on doing this today. I was planning to open up the NBA lounge for the season for good next Thursday because the Buck season starts next week against the Sixers and I got some basketball guests planned and we're gonna have a lot of great NBA conversation but I have to open the NBA lounge today because we have Bucks news we learned this morning from Woj on Twitter the Bucks assistant Terry Stotts has stepped away he's leaving the team he was going to be one of the assistants to first year first time Bucks coach and NBA head coach Adrian Griffin something happened I don't know when, I don't know why, but something happened. He's now no longer going to take that post. We learned later today that he's still interesting in coaching. He's just not interested in coaching in Milwaukee. Interesting. Okay. I saw this tweet this morning and I thought, oh boy. Oh boy. Exactly like Jim Carrey in Me, Myself, and Irene. Oh boy. Here we go. I sighed and I rolled my eyes because I know how Bucks fans work. I know how you work out. I I know how your brain works. I know how your Twitter fingers work. I know how you work. I know what makes you click. Okay? We worry. We freak out. We panic. We're defeatist, which is wild. Wild that this fan base of this Bucks team is defeatist, given that we have either the first or second best player in basketball, an all-time great. We're two years removed from a title. Why are we defeatist? Brewers fans, I get it. Oh, I, I get it. Okay? I get it. Uh, Brewers fandom, it's easier to be defeatist because we can laugh at our failures instead of actually being sad about it. Packers fans towards the end with Aaron Rodgers, I, I get the defeatist attitude a little bit in the postseason, especially after that Bucks loss and especially after that Niners loss in 2021. Bucks fans? What do we have to be defeatist about? What do we have? We have this existential dread that everything is going to go wrong when we have the last couple of years of evidence to indicate that that's not the case. Yeah, I know they lost to the Heat in the first round last year, and I know they came up short against the Celtics two years ago, but they're two seasons removed from a title. We just landed Damian Lillard, and when we saw news earlier today that an assistant coach is leaving the staff, Bucks fans started to lose their mind, and I knew that they would because that's how Bucks fans work for some reason. It breaks my heart when sports fans need to be the first person to be right about a team losing. I think that's such a negative, toxic trait among sports fans. See it a lot with the Bucks. See it a lot with sports fans. Sports fans that are older than me. I don't mean to be ageist, but I think of a certain age window, a certain age group, a lot of fans are like this. They need to be the first person to sound the alarm. Need to be the first person to say, I don't know about all this. I think it's dumb. I think it's a waste of time when fans do this. Every team has warts. Every single team ever has had warts. Even the best teams of all time have had one or two things where it's like, well, I hope this doesn't bite them. Every team has warts. Every team has concerns. Every team has a weakness or weaknesses. Every player is not perfect. Every player has a weakness, a chink in the armor somewhere. Every team's got warts. Every team's got a soft spot. And then when that team loses in the playoffs fans of that team will be like, I told you so. I said this months ago. Oh, you said months ago that Giannis isn't always the best free throw shooter? Thank God you got out in front of that. Thank, thank, thankfully, you were concerned ahead of time. Thankfully, you were sounding the alarm ahead of time. I don't like fans like that. You know someone like this in your life. If you're that person, don't be that way. 
There's no reason to be that way in life. No one likes the person who needs to be right about a loss first. No one likes that person. When the Packers lose, it's like, I was saying it three weeks ago. Okay. Okay. Yep. When the Bucks get bounced in the playoffs, I was telling you back in December. Okay. All right. Yeah, you were congr- congratulations. You were miserable before the rest of us. I tip my cap. Now, maybe bringing this back to Adrian Griffin and his staff and Terry Stotts and the news of him leaving this morning, maybe Adrian Griffin's staff becomes a concern later this year. Maybe it's like Joe Missoula last year where we look around. It's like, man, he didn't have the experience. He didn't have the support that he needed as a first-time NBA head coach. Maybe, maybe, maybe it becomes a concern later this year. Terry Stotts has worked with Damian Lillard before. That was knowledge that would have been really useful. He's been a head coach before. There's a lot of knowledge that would be very useful. Sure, maybe Adrian Griffin's staff and the absence of Terry Stotts becomes a concern later this year. I'll say it again. Maybe it becomes a concern later this later this year. So if that happens and it does become a concern later this year, we can worry about it later in the year. Everyone always downplays the NBA regular season. I was listening to to Ebo and Nelson this morning, and Nelson said, "Oh, wait, you know how Nelson is. Wake me up at Christmas." Wait, and, I, and I'm in my car driving. It's like Nelson, what do you have going on? You have so much on your plate right now, you can't watch a Buck Sixers game? All right, wake me up at Christmas. Okay, yeah, all right, everyone, wake Nelson up at Christmas. He's not going to watch until Christmas. Or some fans, and I like Nelson, so I'm not not ripping on him. Um, But some fans, they'll be like, I I don't even start paying attention until the All-Star break, or I don't start paying attention until the playoffs. And that's fine. If you want to approach the NBA like that, that's fine. But when an assistant coach departs in October, you can't freak out about it. Like, if you're one of those basketball fans, uh, they should shorten the season. I don't even start paying attention until Christmas or the All-Star break. Okay, you're fine. Then we'll talk to you at Christmas. We'll talk to you at the All-Star break. Don't be on Twitter sounding the alarm because Terry Stotts, a coach that never coached a game in this iteration as an assistant for the Bucks, departed before the beginning of the season. We always want to play the, the downplay the regular season until something like this happens, and then we want to freak out as Bucks fans. Don't. Don't freak out. It's not worth freaking out right now. Another example of this, and I tweeted about this earlier today at Wisco Grant. Chris Middleton missed some practices two weeks ago. He's been practicing a little bit on a different timeline. He's been missing preseason games, although it sounds, as of today, when Adrian Griffin spoke to the media and Eric Name and others, Jim Ozarski reporting this, looks like Chris Middleton might play in the final preseason game. That'd be awesome. But even if he didn't, calm down. Relax. Chris Middleton has missed some practices and some games over the last few weeks. And I, I always read the replies to Eric Name's tweets. I don't know why. I do. And it's always people like, what are they not telling us? What are they hiding? What's going on? What's really going on behind the scenes with Chris Middleton? It's like, I don't know. He's an older player. He had some work done this offseason. He's recovering. I don't know. The playoffs don't start until April. Jeez, I, I don't know. It's early October. Is this really that big of a deal? Is this really something? Do we need to cry conspiracy about this? Do we need to wait, raise the red flags? No, I, I think we're probably fine. But Bucks fans, we, we always want to be first. We always want to be the first person to be unhappy. We always want to be the first person to push the panic button. We always want to be the first person to predict a loss. And I think that's such a lame trait. Let's get that out of here. We got Damian Lillard, for God's sake. What do we have to be negative about? What do we have to be defeatist about? I certainly don't have the energy to dedicate to this. Everything going on right now between the Packers and Jordan Love and Matt LaFleur and Joe Barry. And, of course, anytime I talk about Joe Barry's defense, then that brings Vagabond John into the fold, and I got to fight a battle on two fronts. I got to talk about Joe Barry, 
And I also got to have witticisms prepared and, and, you know, rebuttals for Vagabond John when he ultimately calls in to defend Joe Barry because that's the, the mantle that he's taken. We're dealing with Luke Fickle right now and Phil Longo. They can't run the ball. They're losing to Iowa. It's the worst the Big Ten West has maybe ever been, and it looks like they're going to not win the Big Ten West, especially now with a backup quarterback. So that sucks. I got a lot of energy dedicated to that. I got energy dedicated. I had three weddings in the last five weeks, and at some point I need to go to the dentist, and it's mentally wearing on me. These are all the things that I have to dedicate energy to right now. There may come a day where we may need to dedicate energy to the Bucks and be concerned about their assistant coaching staff. But today is not that day. Today is not that day. They still have Josh Oppenheimer. They have Vin Baker. You know, assistant coaches that actually won the title with the Bucks in 2021. Still a deep bench of assistants. Joe Prunty. He's around. He's been around the league forever. I think it'll be okay. I don't think an assistant coach is the biggest deal in the world. For example, if Terry Stotts was named Bob Smith, would anyone care at all today? I understand Terry Stotts is a little unique because he's been a head coach. And because he coached Damian Lillard. Although Terry Stotts got fired, which would lead me to believe that Damian Lillard was like maybe ready for a different coach. So we have to factor that in. It would be like it would be like the Jets bringing in Mike McCarthy as a as an assistant coach. It's like, oh, they have background together. It's like, well, yeah, but how did it end up? How did it how did it wrap up? Shouldn't we factor that in? Whatever. It's an assistant coach. Don't worry yourself with this right now. This is the luxury. Here's some positivity for you, Bucks fans. This is the luxury that we have with a brand new coach and with roster turnover, Drew Holiday for Damian Lillard. Because if the Bucks ran back the same team from last year and the year before and the year before, they ran back the same team and they started slowly. Oh my God. Can you imagine the conversation? Can you imagine the takes on sports radio and sports TV about Bud? Oh, they should have fired Bud. They should have got a different coach other than Bud. Should they fire Bud mid-season? Should they make a change mid-season? And then, of course, everything would be relating to Giannis's future. If this season started poorly and it's still Drew Holiday and it's still Brooke Lopez and it's still Chris Middleton, all those players are still aging and their contracts are still kind of all up at the same time. You know, what does this mean for Giannis's future? What does this mean for Giannis's future? Now, if the Bucks start slowly, we've got a rookie coach. They're learning. Damian Lillard just got here. Him and Giannis are learning to mesh. Him and Giannis are building chemistry. Right, so this is the advantage the Bucks have this year. And this is sometimes why I think in sports... You need change for the sake of change. And we talk about this in the NFL. I remember talking with Cone Roller the other day about the Chargers and how, in hindsight, they probably should have let go of Brandon Staley after that massive blown playoff loss because they just needed to to clean it out. They needed a a fresh smell. They needed to clean the stink of that 27-point blown lead. They needed to get that out of the building. Change for the sake of change. Sometimes it's necessary. You reset frustrations that have been building over the years. You reset relationships, start new friendships, start new teammates playing together. That's always fun. You reset progress as well. And by that, I mean, you reset the playoff finish counter. You keep running it back with the same team. We got to the finals. Then we got to the semifinals. Then we lost in the first round. We're going backwards. We're not going for it. Okay, move out Drew Holiday. Bring in Dame Lillard. Everything is reset. We're starting again from scratch. We're building it from the ground up. And I think that that was felt with the Packers as well. Every year that Aaron Rodgers came back, especially with Mike McCarthy, and every year Aaron Rodgers got older, and every year they failed to make the Super Bowl, it felt like the pressure got heavier and heavier and heavier. Whereas maybe if they would have replaced Mike McCarthy earlier, it wouldn't have been that way. It would have been different. 
change for the sake of change. Sometimes it's necessary. Sometimes it it, it might come a day where it's true of the Brewers as well. This offseason, if Craig Council leaves and, and they tweak some roster spots, maybe make some trades, it's going to feel better next year starting from a different place. We're resetting frustrations and relationships and we're resetting progress of a team that's been by and large the same and by and large it's come up short every year. Right, so I, I think the advantage that the Bucks have right now is that they have a brand new coach. They've reset the roster a little bit with Damian Lillard, so we can take some of these hiccups in stride, and it's not a big deal. Whereas if Bud was still here or if Drew was still here, these things would be magnified, and Giannis's contract would be discussed, et cetera, et cetera. You get what I mean? Change for the sake of change can be very helpful to a franchise, especially a franchise with championship expectations. This come up short a couple of times. Make some changes. You reset everything. And everyone can take a bit of a deep breath. Let's take a three-minute break. We'll come back. Keep talking about the Bucks for a few minutes, but I want to get to the Packers. Mike Clemens will join us later on in the show. I want to hear from you, 608-321-1670. Twitter, you can hit me up at Wisco Grant. Wisco Sports Show back in three minutes. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Sports show. The NBA Lounge is open for the season now. Because next Thursday is opening night for the Bucks. I'm already reaching out to some guests. We're going to do a big Lounge-a-Palooza a week from tonight. It's going to be great. Uh, I hit up little Ty Windish, Eurostep Podcast. Maybe he'll join us. Justin Garcia, he's always a great hang. We can maybe have him chime into the show right from Fiserv Forum. Oh, wait, is the opener at Fiserv or is it, are they in Philly? I guess it doesn't matter. In any event, we're going to have a Bucks-themed show next week. We can we can talk logistics next week when we come back. Terry Stotts is not on the Bucks coaching staff, and my God, is it a national nightmare. I, 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 I mean, Jesus. I might not be able to fall asleep. I've been sick to my stomach all day. I'm, I'm being sarcastic, obviously. I think we need to calm down just a bit. It's Terry Stotts. It's not Phil Jackson here. And yeah, it's a little odd to have an assistant depart before the season. But Bucks fans, we got Damian Lillard. How are you letting your excitement just get killed? We have Damian freaking Lillard on our team, and I look at Bucks Twitter today. It's like I don't like this. I don't like the. I don't like the vibe of this team. I don't like this one bit. It's like okay, okay. Well, then we'll reacquire Drew Holiday and hire Bud. Is, is that better? Would you Would you prefer that? I don't mean to be so angsty, but it's annoying. Bucks fans, we don't have to be this way. We don't have to be so defeatist. Ed is in McGuanago, 1670 What's going on, Ed? Welcome. Hey, Grant. Thanks for taking my call. How are you? I'm doing great. Although we lost Terry Stotts, I'm finding a way to still get through my day. It's difficult, but I'm doing yeah, my best. I don't know how you're surviving. I don't know how you can make it. <laughs> I know. Right? What do you think? Well, I, you know, you were kind of bringing up a couple other examples of that and, and Wisconsin sports fans in general. And it, it made me think about the same thing if we could switch over to the Packers for a minute. It's kind of the same thing going on there, like Jordan Love isn't doing that great. The Packers aren't doing that great. Mm-hmm. And people are like, bench Jordan Love, start Sean Clipper. Yep. <laughs> you know, and we talked, you and I talked to like a month ago, it was a game where um, Jair dropped an easy interception and one of the linemen dropped an interception, right? I don't remember who it was. Was it Quay Walker? And, uh, was that the Atlanta game? Yeah, I think it was. I okay. think it was, yep. Yep. And I, I kind of quipped, like, oh, that's why uh, linemen aren't tight ends, you yeah. know. And uh, 
Well, here, here's another axiom for you. Um, benching Jordan Love over Sean Clifford is why fans aren't coaches in the NFL. Well, and, and, and why fans aren't coaches in the NFL, Ed, is because fan is short for fanatic, and you can't have a fanatic making decisions. We're very emotional as sports fans, 100%. You're correct. Right, and it's like, bench this guy, fire this guy. It's, it's only the fifth week. Well, and then what? Okay, so then maybe Sean Clifford wins a game or two, and then he hits a slide. Like, <laughs> it would be chaos. We'd run out of players by the end of the season. Well, yeah, and, and even if, you know, folks don't want to bench Jordan Love, I, I hear a lot of, well, I, I, I was saying a year ago that Jordan Love didn't have it, or I, I've never been a Jordan Love fan. It's like, okay, so you were negative from the start, and you might turn out to be correct. So you can say that you were right. Like, I, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm a, yeah. yeah. I don't know. Ed. Well, and, and you know, I, I think the hardest thing probably has to be for coaches and a team and players is to just ride it out when it's not going right. Because it, the easy thing to do in life in general or in sports is to quit or fire people or bench people. That would be the easy thing to do. But when it's hard things aren't clicking but you recognize yeah we don't have Aaron Jones we've been missing key pieces of the offensive line we just got to ride this thing out we went into the season knowing there is going to be a learning curve and it's going to be an eight or nine win season so stop freaking out everybody r-e-l-a-x <laughs> this is what we expected and yeah we got to do the hard thing and sometimes that's sucking and just riding it out and seeing what you got at the end of the year, going into next year. Yeah, or just give it another month, Ed. Jeez, it's not even yeah. Halloween yet. Like, if, if you don't need the whole year to evaluate Jordan Love, at least give it a, a month coming out of the bye. I'm, I'm 100% with you. Yep. Appreciate you, Ed. Thanks. Yeah, thanks for calling in. Nice to hear from you. Nice to hear from, uh, I guess, is there a nickname from Maguanago? Like, West Dallas, you got Stallis, of course. Brookfield, The Field. I don't think anyone calls it that. Is there a nickname for Maguanago? Cone Roller is here. Maybe he knows. 608-321-1670. Cone, what do you think? Uh, Grant, the, nick- the proper nickname for Brookfield is uh, Crookfield, Wisconsin. <laughs> that is that's so dumb. That's so stupid. But I'm I'm not wrong. Like, there's other like there's, there's other suburbs around Milwaukee in that area with the nickname. Mequon, the Quan, of course. How could we forget the Quan? Um, I'm going to have to try to come yeah, up with what- a list of these. You got white folks say, white folks shay. Yep. I mean, you got all those there. There's so many, um, of course. But, you know, I got to get this off my chest. Is it is it concerning that Bucks fans make me like the Bucks less? Am I a bad fan for saying that? No, not at all. I like I, this is basically what I was saying on Twitter earlier. It's like, yeah, we got Damian Lillard, but Chris Middleton missed a practice or two and Terry Stotts is gone. So now the season is over and everyone's miserable. It's like, man, let's grow up a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I see people out there pointing out Dame Lillard's body language in preseason, which it's like, what are we doing here? Haven't we done enough body language police with Aaron Rodgers over the years? Do we really need to do it with our new superstar, Dame Lillard, in the freaking preseason? Well, and that's another thing. There's so many folks that say of the NBA, you know, wake me up when the playoffs start, or I don't even start watching until after Christmas. And then something small like this happens in October, and it's the biggest story on Twitter. It's the biggest story for the Bucks. And I don't just mean to, like, take Twitter and make it real life and talk about it on the show, but it's a cross-section of how a lot of Bucks fans feel and speak and act about this team, and it's, 
It's just so defeatist, and we don't have to be this way. We have Dame Lillard. We have Damian Lillard on the Bucks, and we're freaking out because Terry Stotts decided to dip? Uh-uh. Uh, I, I won't have it. Well, yeah, I agree. I think these people are, you know, just using X for its main purpose, and that's being a public town square, and, you know, their, their points are fair, but it doesn't mean I have to agree with them. Yeah, I suppose it's wisdom of the masses, right? It's the... It's the, the the internet's town square yeah i just didn't i didn't realize by the way cone the diamondbacks are playing right now i just put it on the tv is there a buzz in the city right now i know you're from phoenix uh, i was golfing earlier today so didn't really catch any of the diamondback vibes i did get offered to go to the game tomorrow 284 dollars for a ticket if they're down 3-0 is that worth it i don't know how is the ticket that expensive if they're down 3-0 it's not like you live in st louis it's Phoenix. Chase Field feels like a field house. Uh, I guess, you know, probably all the corporate suits out in Scottsdale are, uh, are buying up there. Yeah, that's probably a good point. Well, anything else you want to get off your chest before I let you go? Tony in Texas is going to follow you. So if you have anything, you can pass along to Tony before you go as well. I don't have a ton for Tony today. Um, I wanted to ask you, do you got a lean on tonight's Thursday night football game? I see the uh, Jaguars are favor or underdogs plus two and a half. It's in New Orleans? I believe so, yeah. I think his New Orleans, you could make a case that New Orleans has been one of the more underwhelming teams in the NFL so far this year, so maybe they're due. And I don't know that Trevor Lawrence and the Jags have been as dominant and as good as a lot of people expected. So for those reasons, maybe I'm inclined to take the Saints on a short week. And, and we can't forget, Cone, that the Jags are coming back from abroad. They're, they're coming back. It's hard to go West Coast to East Coast. It's even harder to go from Europe back to America, continental travel. So maybe for that reason, I kind of like the Saints tonight. That's my lean, I think. Oh, man, I, I'm going to have to go against you. I like Jacksonville. Um, kind of in your same point with the London trip, reports are saying the team being over there for two weeks, they get a, away from all the noise, all the distraction. They've oh. never been closer as a unit. So I like the Jacksonville Jaguars from here on out. I think they win the, the AFC South pretty handedly. You, you think they bonded a little bit over across the pond? Is that your take? Yeah, and that's that's in writing. I'm sure someone in the athletic has written about it. So, you know, it's not just me saying that. I'm gonna, I'm going to research that. I'm going to try to find that because I hope that article has been written because I, I love that take. I love that idea. Appreciate you, Cone. Have an awesome night. Yep, thanks, Grant. Have a good one, and go Diamondbacks. Go Diamondbacks. That's Cone Roller, who hails from the cities. What did he call Brookfield? Crook, Crookfield? Tony, Tony, you're from, where are you from? West Dallas originally? Tony in Texas is here. Tony, welcome. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so if you're from Racine or Kenosha right now, you should be you should be in the state of Illinois. So I have no qualms saying this. Racine is Ray Salam. Kenosha is Kenowhere. <laughs> I like that. White Folks Bay. Uh, Stalis. Do you guys call it Stalis? We did not call it West Stalis in my or Stalis in my day. No, not in your day. That's, oh. that's a new age. That's a new age thing. All right, maybe the the newer the newer. Okay, I can see that. All right. Well, what do you think? What did you call it to talk Bucks? We've kind of walked in circles here. We were talking about Phoenix and then the Jags. Professional reset for us, Tony. Why don't you give us a professional reset? Well, I, I do want to hop in that NBA lounge, but I do not know how Cone Roller can't find a Diamondback ticket cheaper than that. I mean, I, I've been hanging out with this lovely lady, an Arizona Diamondbacks fan, and she got a couple of tickets for $100. So Cone Roller obviously is not looking up the right the right websites or not hobnobbing with the right people. I don't know. Yeah, maybe he was offered a, a spot in a corporate package with some of his hobnob friends and, uh, and other you know big college athletic boosters because Cone kind of runs in those circles. But that seems a little I steep. 
Yeah, it does. It does for a Diamondback team that's going to get swept. All right, since we're hopping into the NBA lounge, I hear yep. the jazz music. You know, this Chris Middleton injury is kind of like a UFO or a JFK assassination plot. There's like something to it, but I don't know what's going on. Um, why do you Why do you think there's something to it? He had surgery this offseason. He's just coming back slow. He's a veteran. So secretive, but yet there's something out there. I don't know. I don't know. I don't like the way the Bucks handle this. The Bucks are very cagey. They have been with injuries for years. They don't tell us anything, and they never Who's have. Who's their head trainer? Who's their head trainer? Do we know? I'm not. I'm not expected to. Don't ask me that on air. I'm not exactly. expected to know that, and I shouldn't be expected to know that. Just like the JFK assassination, very fishy. Well, what's so, what's the exact population of Dallas, Texas, Tony? Do you know that off the top of your head? It's near two million. Somewhere around. I don't know the exact. Yeah, around two million. Just because you're from Texas, I mean, you're you're not expected to know every number. I don't know who the Bucks trainer is. I can Google it, I suppose. Well, this Terry Stotts thing, obviously there's some kind of conflict going on with Griffin, I would think. Maybe a philosophical difference. Maybe Terry Stotts is a little bit too big in his britches because he's been a head coach before. Maybe Griffin is like, hey, I'm, a, I'm the coach. I'm going to show who I am. I'm going to pull my weight. Maybe a power struggle going on there, Grant. Kind of like you and Bill Michaels, possibly. I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> I don't look at Terry Stotts and see power struggle. Is that is that the impression you get when you look at a picture of Terry Stotts? I look at him and I think he looks like an Elmer's glue stick. Like, there's nothing intimidating about that man. Well, you watched Succession. Some of these guys did not look like they're the kind of guys that want power, but they True. did. True. I I have I here here's what I think. Tony and I don't I don't have any inside sourcing to back this up or anything crazy or, or in depth like that. I, I think there was probably pressure or encouragement from the Bucks when they hired Griffin because he's a first time head coach. They probably wanted to put some experienced coaches around him. When you figure Joe Prunty and um and obviously Terry Stotts, the one we're talking about, I wouldn't be surprised if Adrian Griffin was like, I don't want that, I don't need that, and maybe there was some friction there because of that. I, I wouldn't be shocked if that's was the genesis of all this, you know. Yeah, and I saw Stotts talking a lot during a commercial break to the players. I thought he looked engaged and into it. Their offensive designs, they've been running what's called a horns offense. Mm-hmm. I've noticed that. Two guys on the elbow, two on the wing. So that's been pretty effective. So very, very odd. I'm not giving up on the season, obviously. Oh, but oh, just good. a weird just a weird thing and i saw we got our butts kicked by oklahoma city a couple days ago i'm not putting much stock into that but okc keep your eye on the, on that team i know it's the nba lounge but keep your eye on the okc thunder if you got the nba league pass check them out and lastly grant before i leave i do want to hit the nfl so mm-hmm. let's step out of the lounge really quick okay nfl two things i want to hit on really quick uh Devontae, is he on the raiders next year uh so here's what's weird Devonte Adams says he wants to win, and I can play this audio when we come back from break because it's it's interesting. He says, "I want to win, obviously, but I also want to be great." So Devonte Adams wants the Raiders to win, and he wants to get his numbers. They're winning; they're three and three. But Devonte Adams isn't stacking up numbers. They're probably going to beat the Bears, who are going to be playing a backup quarterback, and the Raiders will be too. But I think the Raiders are better. They're going to be four and three. They're not trading Devonte Adams. They're, they're trying to make a playoff spot this year. So I, I guess I I don't know. Maybe this offseason they move him. This whole pairing from the beginning has just been so odd. Yeah, Devontae looks like he's having buyer's remorse on that move to to Vegas. And uh, last point I want to make, great matchup here between Tua and Jalen Hurts, Eagles, Dolphins, two Alabama quarterbacks. If you had to pick one to start your franchise right now, who are you picking? Ooh, uh, Jalen Hurts, I think. Yeah, I, I agree. Tua's injury prone. Good, good answer, my man. I well, I, I just think if Jalen Hurts isn't at his best, he can still do a lot of very useful things. I don't know if that's true of Tua. I also, like, 
I want to see this whole season play out. There's a lot of debate on, you know, two is a system quarterback or this or that. I, I want to see how the whole season goes start to finish. But I think if Tua isn't in the best position or if Jalen Hurts isn't in the best position, I think Jalen Hurts can provide you more as a runner. And I like him as a leader. Hey, one last dig on Cohen. I know he was saying I was waxing poetic <laughs> with the, the 90s last you know, yeah. yesterday. Yeah. Came at me a little bit. And I forgot to name the seventh Hall of Famer. Uh, the America's Booth, Troy Aikman, another one. I forgot about him. Wait, wait, so one more time? I mentioned six Hall of Fame quarterbacks from the 90s. I didn't mention Troy Aikman. That's seven. I just rattled off top of my head. Warren Moon, John Elway, Brett Favre, Jim Kelly, um, guys like that. Troy Aikman. And Troy Troy Aikman's a Hall of Famer. I'm a Troy Aikman fan. I am. I know it's sacrilegious in the state of Wisconsin, but I do like Troy. I love him. Appreciate so, you, Tony. I, I hope I didn't no-sell you this time. I apologize again for the end of last week. I, f- I felt like I did you dirty a little bit as a caller. No, nah, good stuff, Grant. And if, if you're from Kenosha or Racine, you know, don't, don't look for me. Leave me alone. Have a, good, have a good one, Tony. It's Tony in Texas. Let's take a five-minute break. Come back. We can talk a little bit about the Packers and hit some of the points that I just talked about with Ed and with Cohen and with Tony. By the way, shout-out to Ed. I love what he did, the, he did there. He said, hey, we're saying these things about the Bucks. Let me bring in the Packers, and we'll, we'll, we'll talk about the same thing but with a different team. I love that, Ed. That's pro stuff. You're a pro's pro, a caller's caller. I appreciate that. Five minutes, Wisco Sports Show, back after this. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Wisco Sports Show, I'm losing my voice just a little bit, which isn't a big deal because the show's only two hours long, but tomorrow I got to do Bill's show. And this show, that could be, that could be a problem. That could be, that could end up being an issue. Is Terry Stotts departing from the Bucks coaching staff, is that an issue? It is an issue on some level. I said in the NBA lounge to start the show, I don't think it's nearly the issue that many Bucks fans are making it out to be. It's like, I don't like the vibe around this team right now. I, I don't like any of this. Oh, Dame, Dame Lillard showing up a couple weeks ago. That, that didn't do it for you. Oh. I remember when the trade happened, I talked to a bunch of my uh, my friends who were Bucks fans in our group chat, and I remember a couple of them saying very specifically, like, yeah, this Damian Lillard trade is, is great and all, but if they don't also have Terry Stotts on the staff this year, I think it's going to be a catastrophe. So I, I do remember, let's see, no one said that. Yeah. We acquired Damian Lillard. Calm down about Terry Stotts just a little bit. If it becomes a problem in the season, then we'll talk about it as a problem in the season. It's October. I don't have the energy for this right now. I want to talk a little bit about the pack. I have some comments about Brian Gudikins, inspired by one Bill Michaels, because I was sitting behind this very microphone last night for the Bill Michaels huddle. Bill was in lacrosse, our friends at Flipside Pub and Grill, who've been great to this show. They sent us to spring training this last year. Please support that place. If you're a listener in lacrosse of WKTY or for whatever reason, if you're visiting lacrosse, which you absolutely should at some point because lacrosse is the best, please stop at Flipside and support them. But Bill, last night during the huddle at Flipside, Brought up Brian Gudikins and said, well, what about the job that Brian Gudikins is doing as GM? We talk so much about Matt LaFleur. We talk so much about Joe Barry and Jordan Love. What about the job that Brian Gudikins is doing? And we got into some talking points that I found to be very entertaining. So we're going to do that after 5 o'clock. But before that, we we have talked about Matt LaFleur. I want to talk about Matt LaFleur more. Uh, Matt, Laf- Matt LaFleur spoke to the media today, and I loved what he said. Loved, loved, loved. It made me feel very good, actually, uh, about a coach that I've had questions about the last couple weeks, especially after that Vegas game. 
I think it's worth reminding as often as possible that this is a team of kids, especially at the skill positions, especially wide receiver and tight end and, well, running back. They're without Aaron Jones, so they're not young at running back. There's just not a lot there. Um, They have A.J. Dillon, who's not exactly a game-breaker. They have the youngest skill position players of any team since the 99 expansion Cleveland Browns. Hat tip to Peter Bukowski for that stat. It's not just that they're young. It's not just they're they're rebuilding a little bit. No, no, no. They're playing a bunch of kids at wide receiver and a tight end, and that was by design. I remember Brian Gutekunst in his preseason press conference was asked, I don't know if it was by Bill Huber or Jason Wildier, which Packers beat reporter it was, was like, did you guys give any consideration to signing a veteran wide receiver this offseason? And Goody basically said, no, these guys got to play. We got all these young guys, Dobbs, Watson. We just drafted Reed and Musgrave and Kraft. These guys need targets. They need reps. They need to play, which I agreed with because I think this idea of we'll just go get a veteran. Okay, well, what kind of veteran? Because it's not just as simple as we'll get a veteran to bring these guys along. Oh, okay, so there's two schools of thought. We're either getting a Devin Funches type guy who isn't good enough to make the team, isn't good enough to play. He's just taking up a roster spot. We're all wondering, well, what the what was the point of that? What was the point of bringing in Devin Funches? Or you get a player like Randall Cobb or Alan Lazard who's good enough or young enough to play, but not very good. So now they're basically just a roadblock for one of the players you just invested in, whether that's Dontavian Wicks or Jaden Reed or Musgrave or Kraft. They all spent draft picks on in this last year's draft. Or Watson and Dobbs, who they spent a second round, two second rounders on Watson and then a fourth rounder on Dobbs last year. There's just no perfect wide receiver. It's like, go get this veteran to serve this role. That veteran really doesn't exist. So I liked the thought process of Brian Gutekinst going into this year saying, no, 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 these guys need to play. They need to play. I think we sometimes forget how young they are and how mistake-prone they are and how much ups and downs are going to be. This is going to be a theme throughout the year. I hope it becomes less of a theme out of the bye. Players like Musgrave and Matt LaFleur was asked today about the process of Luke Musgrave and about the scene of him kind of cussing out Musgrave during the last game. This is an awesome minute and a half. I would recommend that if you're bored tonight and you need something to do, go to the Packers website or their social media channels. Watch Matt LaFleur's presser today. This is about two of the 10 total minutes and watch him give this answer because he looks comfortable. He looks happy. He looks confident in what he's saying. And it actually put me at ease a little bit. It's like, oh, he knows what he's talking about. He knows what he's doing. Here's Matt LaFleur talking about Luke Musgrave specifically uh, when asked about the growing pains of these younger skill position players. Uh, Grant, the the play button. That's what you need to press. Let me see if this will actually start. I think he's doing a great job. I think every day we go out on that field, there's something that kind of clicks for him. Uh, We had a a good one today where he's just running a a simple over route and um, just had a ran it in routes versus air and kind of talked about it after just what what I observed and uh, these, these guys got to understand especially in the passing game I think there's you, you love it when guys go 100 miles an hour and that that's how Luke attacks everything everything is just full speed but there's also a feel to it in terms of when can you tempo down so you don't run through zones so fast that you end up getting covered up. So I think that is the thing that he's starting to get a better feel for just, you know, through repetition, whether it's practice or in the game. But uh, going back to that route, so 
he of course he did it in, in routes versus air and he went 100 miles an hour and I'm like just you don't have to go 100 maybe 90 miles an hour and he did it in, in the team rep and he looked and it looked better and it was well executed and so you know it's just but that's a feel thing because and you'd rather have guys with that mindset with that mentality um and try to kind of rein them back a little bit so it's not matt lafleur's job in press conferences to loop us in on every little detail of every little player right he's gonna go up there answer questions maybe give us a nugget here and there but he's not laying out every single detail of every single thing but i did appreciate this answer you know because we hear a lot this is a young group of of pass catchers there's gonna be ups and downs Right. There's going to be developmental plays and mistakes made. This is a concrete example of something that Luke Musgrave has to learn. It's like when you're running certain routes against certain looks, especially against zone defenses, you can't sprint through the zone at 100 miles an hour. And for Luke Musgrave, this is a problem because he's fast. That's his thing. He's super, super fast. He can get up the field really, really quickly. But when you get to that target zone where you want to make yourself available for the catch, Slow down just a little bit. Like, don't run 100 miles an hour through there, even though that you can. And again, I would I would recommend, if you're into such things, going and watching that answer. Go watch that two minutes that I just played you from Matt LaFleur. Because he had a smile, he had a little grin, and it's clear, to me at least in the way that I interpreted it, that Matt LaFleur enjoys teaching. He enjoys going over these things with his players. He can see progress being made on a day-to-day basis. I have high hopes coming out of the bye that we're going to see this offense look better than it has in a couple of weeks. We're going to continue to see growth from Musgrave and Reed and Wicks. Wicks is getting open. They just need to involve him more in the offense. And I tell you what, I need to start seeing something from Christian Watson. I'm not saying that he's he's risking being a bust or he's massively disappointing. No, 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 I'm not saying those things, but he's the guy with the tools, with the traits. He's got a year's worth of experience now, which is something that you can't say for Musgrave or Wicks or Reed. I, I want to start seeing impact in games from Christian Watson, not just the deep ball gadget guy, not just the decoy to distract the deep. Like I want to see him contributing in a concrete way week in and week out because Jordan Love needs it. Matt LaFleur needs it. You can't count on these rookies to be perfect all of the time. In fact, we have more evidence than not this year that they can't be perfect all the time. And Christian Watson can't be perfect all the time either, but I expect a lot better from him and I expect more consistent play from him. And the Packers offense desperately needs it from him. Let's take a three-minute break. Last break of the hour, we'll wrap up hour number one of the Wisco Sports Show next. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bill's on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Wisco Sports Show, gonna keep talking Packers, and I wanna talk about Brian Gudikins coming up after five o'clock. Bill Michaels made an excellent point during the huddle last night. It's like we talk so much and we evaluate Matt LaFleur constantly and we talk so much about Jordan Love and we evaluate him constantly and Lord knows we've been harping Joe Barry and evaluating him for a couple of years now. What about Brian Gutekinds? And it's not like Bill brought it up as if to say, well, Goody hasn't been holding up his end of the bargain. Bill brought it up to say, well, what about Goody? You know, what, what has he done? Well, what good, what bad? Let's evaluate 
Brian Gutekunst, who's been the GM longer than Matt LaFleur has been the head coach, longer than Joe Barry has been the defensive coordinator, and much longer than Jordan Love has been the starting quarterback of the Green Bay Packers. And I thought that that opened the door to some interesting conversations about decisions made by Brian Gutekunst or, or decisions that were made or decisions that weren't made, right? Moves that were made or moves that were not made throughout the last couple of years. So I, I want to evaluate and talk about Brian Gutekunst in a little bit. I also, before we take this last break and we get an update from Zach, uh, I want to make a statement about the NLCS. I'm pulling for the Phillies. I want to see the Phillies win. Uh, but we learned today that a lot of Phillies fans were buying up tickets to this game to prevent Diamondbacks fans from buying them. And, uh, and and that was like a competitive strategy, I guess, from Phillies fans. It's lame. It's lame. And people are tweeting about it right now. Like the Arizona Diamondbacks team account tweeted about it 25 minutes ago. I won't question Phillies fans' loyalty and their dedication, but that's lame. Buy tickets and then don't go to the game. That's lame. And, and you're ruining the sanctity of the experience at that ballpark in a National League championship series. This isn't a church basketball tournament where you're buying up all the tickets, you know, to pull a prank on, on this group or that group. It's the NLCS. So, no, the message should not come from the Arizona Diamondbacks team account because I don't like when team accounts mix it up like that in, in the forum of, of social media. Like, I like team accounts to report scores, to post cool videos, uh, and, and to keep you in the loop with what's going on, that's about it. I think it's dumb that Phillies fans bought up tickets to a game that they were never going to go to. I think that's stupid. I, I get it. Phillies fans are dedicated, right? They want to see their team win, and they're willing to do whatever. Okay, okay, don't buy tickets to not use them. That ruins the sanctity of the game. It hurts the atmosphere, and it's really, really lame. So I'll push back. Normally, I've been pretty pro-Philly the last couple of weeks. I'll push back on this a little bit. I'm on Twitter, at Wisco Grant. If you want to participate with the show coming up after 5 o'clock, you can also call the show, 608-321-1670. And I'd love to take your calls after this break because at 5.30, we're going to get to Mike Clemens. And then at that point, I I basically can't take any more calls. So if you want to call, you're going to have to do it right after this break. We'll get an update from Zach Heilprin. Come back, talk about Brian Gutekinds, a couple of moves that he's made, a couple of moves that he hasn't made. And I want to ask you, who's the defining draft pick of the Brian Gutekinds era? The best player that he's picked. The pick that he can hang his hat on. Who is it? I don't know. We'll talk about it next. Wisco Sports Show, Hour 2, back in two minutes. A competitive spirit. And just really dial in and truly taking it one day at a time and focus on what lies ahead. And that is improvement. This is where Wisconsin gathers to talk sports. Packers, Brewers, Badgers, Bucks. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Now, here's your host, Grant Bills. Yeah, I know Ben Kenny wouldn't agree, but I think it's dumb that Philly fans bought up a bunch of tickets to the Diamondbacks game tonight when they weren't going to the game. That's stupid. You're just wasting tickets. You're hurting the atmosphere at the game. Yeah, but we want the atmosphere to be worse. Yeah, but no one else does. You control the atmosphere at your own ballpark. You watch your own bobber, Phillies fans. I think it's really lame. We were talking about that before the break. And now the Arizona Diamondbacks official team account is tweeting out a message about it which it shouldn't be which you can't yeah the, the team account should never engage in discourse like this it's like when the brewers team account before the season said hey tweet us this emoji and we'll give you a, a piece of cheese 
The team accounts don't need to be doing that. I liked the Packers Twitter account up until this year. They were ranked last. Everyone said they were really boring. Good. You know what else should be boring? The United States government. The government was better before it, it turned into WWE between AOC and the the right who's a right wing of vocal right winger. I don't know. Derek Van Orden. He's always making news. It was better when we just didn't hear about anyone from any anything. And now it's all WWE and everyone's got to have jokes and bits and they got to have youthful social media presences like no it's it's fine it was better when team accounts were boring and didn't jump on tiktok trends and, and our government was more functional and we were all in, in a much better mental state before it turned into professional wrestling does that make sense anyways this is the wisco sports show uh derek van orden and alexander ocasio-cortez okay mentioned 503 Central Standard Time. Mark that down. I want to talk about Brian Gutekinds here in a sec, but I want to make sure anybody that wants to get in on a phone call has a chance to because come 530, won't be able to. Mike Clemens, our guy, is going to be here. 608-321-1670. Wisco Sports Show. Who's this? Yeah, Darnell. Darnell and Madison Daniel. What's going on? Hey, um, well, I'm, I know I missed the NBA Lounge a little bit earlier uh, for calling in, but I, I just want to say I think that Chris Middleton is due for an absolute revenge year. Um I think that people are going to underestimate him as a number three on that team, and he's going to have a like huge year. Well, that's another thing. He's the number three now, the number three offensive option. Like he was the number two, the most consistent offensive player behind Giannis. Now he's the number three. Like he's just going to have such an easy life. He should hopefully be able to coast through long stretches of the season with the way that his knee and his body's kind of acted up the last few years. That'll be massive for him. Yeah, I think. I think that with a little bit less uh, expectations. Like, the less expectations he has on him, the more he'll thrive, I think. Because I like people that. kept comparing him to Kobe, you know. Who like, did like, that? Like, I would never. Oh, people, people were saying uh, Giannis was a shack to Chris's Kobe. Oh, I said that um, many times. When they were like, on their way to the finals, but, right? But that, but that um, was, but that was to describe the roles that they played. Not, not necessarily comparing Chris Middleton to Kobe, but like in the clutch minutes, in the closing minutes, the offensive package of Middleton becomes a little bit more reliable than the package of Giannis. And that was the same with Shaq and Kobe. Oh. But I, I made that comparison countless times, so I'm part of the problem, right? And <laughs> and and the whole Batman or Robin thing, right? Uh, there was like that whole debate: who's the best player on the Bucks team? Remember that? That was a weird time. Yep. Um, but you know, now that he's He's the bona fide three, right? So he should have no problem. I mean, if he scores 18 points a game, we're going to be stoked, right? So, um, yeah, I think that he's due for an absolute bounce back here. Um, what I was actually calling about, though, oh. is will Jordan Love throw for 350? And I, I don't. I think he might this weekend. Yeah, I think I think that Jordan Love's going to have a huge game, and everyone's going to be like, whoa. God, that'd be sick. Where, where was this? Well, if he could have a 60-yard touchdown to Christian Watson or something, that would goose his numbers quite a bit. I, that would certainly help. It'd get some easy plays, some big explosive plays, and then I'd have to march up and down the field inch by inch. That would be massive. I just want them to let it loose. I I, I get that everyone is like on Jordan Love. He threw two picks or he threw three picks in the last game. I want to see him doing that. I want to see him airing it out and taking chances. I don't care if we make the playoffs this year. I want to see Jordan Love do quarterback things, yeah. not dink and dunk and hand it to A.J. Dillon for a yard and a half. You know, Oof. like, 
Like, let's let's open it up. Like, what what do we have to lose? Again, right? you use this year, and I said this weeks ago or months ago. It's been a while, but I remember talking about it. Use this year as an opportunity, right? Don't view this year as some painful year where you got to dumb down the offense and just try to, you know, skate by. No, no, no. There's no expectations this year. Use that. Lean into that and use this to, yes, make some mistakes, but hopefully get better every week because of those mistakes. I completely agree. When nobody's got expectations for you, that's when you can take chances, right? That's when you can open it up. That's when you can run a fly every single down with your fastest receiver and just see if he can beat a D-back 60% of the time, you know? Uh, I, I don't know. I feel like if I was if I was in charge of the Packers offense, I'd just be I'd be running and gunning with the with the young guys that I have on my team. I and, like that. Uh, I I don't know. It's uh it's kind of tough to see them just do the little five yard outs and whatever. But but I, I think that I think that after after a bye week, Matt Lafleur is going to get over his little bye week curse, and they're just gonna. I mean, there's no better team in football to do something against than the Broncos right now. Yeah. Like they are an absolute fire in a dumpster. Yeah. So, I love that. yeah, let's ball to the wall. Let's do it. That's I what love I that, think. Darnell. I love that. I kind of wish you were the coach. That'd be fun. I appreciate the call. Nice to hear from you. <laughs> yeah, have a good one. When no one has expectations for you, that's when you can really rip it. That's why this show excels, is no one ever expects anything good from this show. So then when we, we have a good day, we have a good topic, it comes across as, oh, wow, that was great today. Yeah. Keep expectations low. Always. Under promise and over deliver is one of the, the core tenets of the way that I live my life. 608 321 1670. Wisco Sports Show. Who's this? Binks here. Who? Binks? Hey, it's yeah. been, what has it been? A year? It's been months, months no, and months oh, and months. What's going on? No, not much. Not much. I have been trying to get onto your show, believe it or not. And um, uh, technical difficulties, let's call it that. Well, I'm sorry about that, Binks. How's life on the island treating you? been busy we've been busy but uh um saddened about the badger game um i watched that believe it or not in its entirety i have a question for you and it's retrospective Mm -hmm. and but be brief because i know you got to go back to football um you had a you had a good caller uh he made a good observation about council and when the dodgers were eliminated uh when things you know don't go their way and they don't find the success that they have bought and paid for time to change things up if a team goes one and nine in the playoffs in the last few years or couple three years isn't it time to make some changes can you respond to that so you're saying the brewers before craig council has time to make a decision on his future the brewers should just come out and fire him (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> is that kind of what you're I'm saying? saying they should, I am not saying they should fire him. I know what you mean. I am saying that if he's one in nine, especially if if you look at the this last the, the last two games, I I did not see any. I, I didn't see the fire in the players. There's no life. I didn't see the they they you know to quote uh, to quote that uh, plaque on uh, Notre Dame Stadium or the tunnel. You know, play like a champion today. They did. You know, I think I put it on your uh, on your Facebook or your Twitter. Um, play like a bunch of turds. You know, just from, from they did. So, um, and um, they they didn't have the enthusiasm. Council usually does bring enthusiasm. 
I acknowledge the record he had. Very weak division in baseball. He had great pitching, but nothing was there. They just flat out lost it. And I know people that were at the game. Uh, I listened to your show with uh, um, callers coming in that you have callers in Madison and in the, in the uh, east side of the state say, I was at the game and it was it was flat. Yeah. What what is your response to my question about when you made the comment about the Dodgers management and their um, front office, or if things don't go right for their ends, make a change. But should the Brewers be making changes with their coaching staff and what they have and the tools with what they have to work with? So I will address this, Binks, and I'm going to move on. I'm going to let you go. It was nice to hear from you. I hope life yep. is treating you well on the island. Pet your dog for me. You have an adorable black lab, so I hope the, the dog is, is well. I hope <laughs> okay. life is good. Nice to hear from you, okay? You, you too, Grant. Yeah, Binks. French Island, WK2I listener. Appreciate you, Binks. One of our best Brewers callers. Um, So you're talking about something that we hinted at earlier on in the show. It's like change for the sake of change. It's like it's not working. And I don't think anyone thinks it's Craig Council's fault that the Brewers have been coming up short, or I don't think anyone says Craig Council is the reason the Brewers are 1-9 and nine in their last 10 playoff games. But at some point, something's got to change. You know, the definition of insanity is trying the same thing over and over and over again and expecting different results. Right? So maybe if Craig Council decides to step away from the Brewers, it ends up being a, a change that could help the Brewers. Just because feel reset. Reset the expectations a little bit. Reset the progress. It feels like they're, they're trying to climb this mountain and they keep coming up short. You start again with a new manager, it's going to feel different. New challenges, new relationships, new strategies. And I think that's good. I think that keeps the players' minds fresh. I think that keeps fans engaged. We're seeing that right now with the Bucks. I think this season is going to be much more entertaining and there's going to be a renewed feel because there's a different coach, there's a different star. It's going to feel like a brand new project. Whereas if they would have tried to run it back with Bud and with Drew Holiday, you know, and the first month of the season doesn't look awesome. Right? We're freaking out and, and, and or we're indifferent, which might be even worse. You mentioned the Dodgers banks. Like, how is Dave Roberts still employed? I, I don't get it. Maybe that's the big picture question. Why have the Dodgers not thought, like, let's try a different voice because this ain't working. 608-321-1670, Wisco Sports Show. Let's keep the phones moving. Who's this? Welcome. Sean and Madison. Sean and Madison. What's going on, Sean? Welcome. And John. Oh, uh, John. Uh, John. Sorry about that, John. Well, we're good. No, uh, talk about uh, Craig Council. So the argument here seems to be that if we, brewers aren't beating expectations, we need to make a change, right? Mm-hmm. Well, that's predicated on the assumption that we're not meeting expectations. And I would say that with the mediocre lineups that we're throwing out every year, where we have the payroll as good as these other teams, perhaps Craig Council is far exceeding expectations. And making a change at this point would only have us regress down to the maximum potential of our lineup. Mm. So you're saying that if they switch managers, they might not even get to the playoffs and they might not even be in position to, you know, get swept by the Diamondbacks. Is that what you're saying, John? Exactly. We've seen uh, Craig Temper, uh, you know, 2017, 2018, uh, to an extent this year, we see really good managing by council in the regular season. And that's what gets us to the playoffs. Yeah, you might not be as good of a postseason manager, but who's to say now could even get us to the playoffs? 
That's a good point. I think Craig Council is a great manager for the 162. I think he never gets too high, never gets too low. Big picture, a, a great grasp of overreaching numbers and trends. But sometimes in the playoffs, John, you just need a real bastard. You know what I mean? You need someone who throws logic and reasoning out the window a little bit and just runs really hot. And Craig Council, I said this a couple weeks ago, and, and this has been a theme since they've got bounced. Maybe Craig Council is a little bit too smart to be a baseball manager and to be the, the conveyor of a message that's needed in the postseason, you know? Fine with a team making the playoffs every year, not competing for the World Series, uh, versus uh, the ups and downs of, you know, your one or two chances for the World Series, and you got to refresh and rebuild afterwards. I'm okay with this, uh, making the playoffs every year. You know, you get to see a good team in the regular season, and so what? Who cares what happens in the playoffs? The majority of the year, you're following a good team. So, overall, you know, it's a good viewing experience. It's fun being, fun being a fan, I think, please. I, I appreciate that. I completely agree, John, and I appreciate your call. I'm going to let you go because i got to get to one more call here before I take a break. Appreciate it. Have a good one. John in Madison, not Sean. Appreciate bungling or uh, uh, apologize for bungling your name there, John. Yeah, I enjoy the regular season a lot. It's a little difficult for me to rectify when we get to the playoffs. It's like, wait, well, we just did 162 games. What was the, what was the point of that again? Where, what was the point? <laughs> what was the point? Why were we? doing that one more call then we'll go to break 608-321-1670 i'm 99 sure i know who this is wisco sports show welcome who's this this is exactly who you think it is it was it's not who i think it is it's hector not alaska oh. which is is not a, is. A, a positive or a negative i'm excited to hear from you as well hector what's going on um not a whole lot you know i'm running a couple errands for the old lady with the baby <laughs> at walmart right now you're in walmart right and, now I am. Yep, I was listening to your show, and then um, there was more callers ahead of me than I thought, so I couldn't just hang up, you know? Oh, you can't. Um, so I, so I got you now, and I'm moseying around the Chris, the too early Christmas area they already got set up. Nice. Well, what's your fancy yeah. tonight? We've kind of strayed into some Craig Council talk, but we were talking about the Packers and about the NFL. Your Ravens. Did they play in? Did they play in London Sunday morning? I can't even remember. It feels like it was so long ago now. They did, yeah. And I was unfortunately stuck at work, but um, the role I played on Sunday gave me the opportunity to like leave the work floor every so often to like mm -hmm. throw garbage away and stuff, and so I could check <laughs> in on on the game and whatnot. So I did start sweating a little bit because, as is the norm with the Ravens, towards the end of the game they start just giving points up and. You know, can't can't give give themselves too much of a lead apparently this season. But mm. um, yeah, I was interested. I was when I was listening. You guys were talking about the Bucks and Chris yes. Middleton being the number three now, and uh, I I think that's gonna I think that's gonna be very beneficial for him. I think he got a little too much attention, oh, deservedly so. He's He's put himself in, you know, the spotlight with his play, and so I respect that. But I think that Dame being there is going to definitely push his, um, you know, numbers up, of course. But I think it's also going to help him kind of settle in more to a rhythm with the team, and a little less on his shoulders, um, a little, you know, I don't know about you, but if I feel a little more relaxed, I play a little better, yeah. you know, not so not so uptight kind of kind of stuff so i think that'll be beneficial for him so i'm excited for basketball to start i got a 
fantasy draft tomorrow night Hell yeah. to uh to kind of shoot me with that last bit of uh of basketball adrenaline before the season starts well yeah well, you go hit the aisles. You go get your shopping yeah. done. Enjoy the evening with your family. I'm going to keep talking about some of the things that you just said. I thought you made some great points about Middleton, Hector. Thanks for the call. No problem. You have a good night, Grant. You as well, Hector, in on Alaska. So Chris Middleton getting less offensive attention because of Dame Lillard. I obviously love it. We should all love it. I've said of, of Middleton now for a season or so. I said this a lot against the Heat in the playoffs last year. I'd rather have a clean efficient 25 point game with limited turnovers uh, and and less quantity. I'd rather have a a qualitative performance from Middleton. I'd rather have an efficient 20 to 25 points, some assists, some rebounds, uh, manageable defense, and not a lot of turnovers. I'd rather have that than a dirty 30 where Middleton's jacking a ton of shots. and He's trying to initiate a lot of offense. I, I think that is going to be so much easier now for Middleton to do to have a crisp, clean performance. I just think it's going to be so much easier. And I think the the ecosystem now of the Bucks offense, assuming Adrian Griffin does his job, I don't know, God, without Terry Stotts, I mean, geez, they might not even know how many players to put out on the floor. Jesus. Um, but but no, with the current ecosystem now, the Bucks offense, it's going to be a lot easier for Middleton to play efficient, to do more with less. And I think that's best for the Bucks. It certainly would have been better for the Bucks against the Heat last year, which is probably part of the reason why they made some changes, personnel and coaching this offseason. Let's take a break. Three minutes. We'll come back. Wisco Sports Show back after this. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Wisco Sports Show. Watching Phillies Rangers right now. Or not Phillies Rangers, Phillies Diamondbacks right now. Phillies Rangers could be a World Series matchup, but. No, it's Philly, Arizona right now at Chase Field. Five innings, two hits per team, no runs. It's been a pitcher's duel so far, and I just saw this tweet from Jeff Passan, who I made a passing comment about Jeff Passan last week. I love Jeff Passan. I just mentioned that some of his stories, they're like a lot longer than they need to be. <laughs> Which in my generation, where our brains are poisoned by TikTok and our attention spans are... You know, the attention span's a goldfish. I, I get it. It's a me problem. It's a my generation problem. But also, sometimes I read a story by Jeff Pass, and it's like, dude, I don't have 40 minutes to dig into this right now. Like, they were reading assignments in college, get a PDF from this journal or that journal where this article was published about this or that. Um, it's like, man, I better set aside two hours to read through this and annotate it. And then I read a Jeff Passan story. It's like, this is this is graduate-level stuff. Big words, lots of paragraphs. And I know I sound like a simple-minded jamoke right now. But I like Jeff Passan. He tweeted, Brandon Fott, or however you say that guy's name, versus Ranger Suarez is the pitcher's duel you didn't know you needed. And I just thought, well, you know, my team was supposed to be built on elite starting pitching with Woodruff and Burns and Peralta. And then, of course, Woodruff got hurt because we can't have nice things. And, you know, Brandon Woodruff pooped down, or not Brandon Woodruff, Corbin Burns pooped down his leg, gave a three-run lead at home against the Diamondbacks who weren't pitching their ace. God forbid, you know, he could have done anything with that. He didn't, and then Freddie Peralta the next night was fine, but not elite, and then I watched these two teams, not really known for their elite pitching. Well, the Diamondbacks are with Gallen uh, and the other guy whose name escapes me, Zach Gallen, and who's the other one? You know who I'm talking about, the guy with the glasses. Uh, and and it's instead Brandon Fafat, again, I can't remember how to say his name, and Ranger Suarez, who's not even the ace. He's probably the third, fourth best pitcher for the Phillies. 
and these guys are dealing. So that's the advantage that my team was supposed to have. These two teams are, they got it covered. They have no problem getting outs. So uh, I keep bringing up the Brewers. Of course I do. I'm still not over it. I said, uh, Brian Gutekunst came up on the Bill Michaels huddle last night. I want to mention this before we get to Mike Clemens. We evaluate Matt LaFleur and we criticize Matt LaFleur and Joe Barry and Jordan Love a ton. Uh, and that's all fair, right? We've seen Matt LaFleur now coach. He's in his fifth year. Jordan Love, he's five games in. So I would prefer we don't judge him too much. I mean, geez, let's calm down. But every week is a referendum on Jordan Love as the, the future Packers starting quarterback. And then, of course, Joe Barry. We've been up his butt for a couple of years now. We never really talk critically about the job Brian Gutekunst has done. And I don't think he's done a bad job. I don't think we, we deserve to hold him accountable or we should hold him accountable. That's, that's not what I'm saying. But this came up during the huddle last night. And, you know, I, I posed this question to Bill. Who is the best player that Goody has drafted? Took over in 2018. So 18, 19, 20. His third draft was Jordan Love, A.J. Dillon, Josiah DeGuara. 2021, that was the Eric Stokes draft. 2022 was Quay Walker and Devontae Wyatt. And then this year was Lucas Van Ness. Because, you know, why have one edge rusher that takes four or five years to develop when you can have two? So you got to go get Lucas Van Ness, obviously, because we're going to need that great edge rusher in uh, 2026. Um, <laughs> who's the best player that Brian Gutekinds has ever drafted? If he was styling up his resume and putting bullet points on his resume, and he, he would have to say, I drafted this guy. Would it be Rashawn Gary? I really like Rashawn Gary. I think he's quite good. I have yet to really see him ever take over a game. I don't think he's in that top, top tier of NFL pass rushers, and that's elite company. Those are future Hall of Fame guys like TJ Watt and uh, Micah Parsons and Miles Garrett. It's it's not shameful to not be included in that group. Is it Jair Alexander? He's pretty darn good. But I've yet to, again, see him take over a game. I think Elton Jenkins deserves to be concern, uh, considered. Totally. I think he's in this conversation of best players that Brian Gutekunst has drafted. Those are the three, though. You know, like, I, I can't think of anyone else. And I, I don't I, I don't know what to do with that. He's yet to really draft someone who can destroy a game. Those guys are hard to find. Don't get me wrong. But he's going to be making his, his sixth draft this this upcoming spring, I just I don't know. I don't know, I think he's done a good job. It'll be very interesting to see how he rebuilds the skill position groups because he's tasked right now with building the wide receiver group back up from the ground, building the tight end group back up from the ground. This offseason, he might have to do the same thing with the running back group. It's going to be interesting to see how he goes about that. That's not a small task. That's a tall task. Brand new wide receiving core, brand new tight end group, brand new running back group basically within a two-year window. That's a lot. So that's going to be fun. It's going to be fun to watch how that plays out. We'll see if Brian Gutekunst is up to the challenge of rebuilding entire position groups on the offensive side of the ball. I don't know. I want a game wrecker. I want to see Lucas Van Ness or Rashawn Gary coming back off this injury. I want to see a player that can absolutely take over a game like Max Crosby did against the Packers. Or like we've seen Justin Jefferson do. It's not just defensive players that take over a game. Offensive players can do it as well. I want to see Brian Gutekunst select a player in a draft who then plays for the Packers who can take over a game. Because I don't know the last guy I could say that about. Maybe Clay Matthews, at least defensively. 
Devontae Adams could do it offensively. That was a Ted Thompson pick, obviously. That was before Brian Gutekunst took over in 2018. I don't know. If you start stacking up the best draft picks from Brian Gutekunst, there's a lot of good. I'm not sure how much great there is. And I'm not trying to rip down Brian Gutekunst. I think he's a very good GM. And I think the Jordan Love pick was a selection that was preparing for a reality that that eventually happened. It just took a couple of extra years. And if you look at the timeline of Jordan Love, I don't think that was a problem. Jordan Love needed those extra years to develop, don't you think? Aaron Rodgers, eventually it, it came to a point where they needed to get rid of him. And then he got hurt, which I, I don't know if that vindicates the, the school of thought from the Packers this offseason on needing to get rid of him. I don't know. But I, I, I feel like Brian Gutekunst has done a pretty good job. I just want to see some more game-breaking players, whether that's in free agency, that'll cost a pretty penny, or in the draft. I'd like to see it because I don't think he's drafted that guy yet. That's not Rashawn Gary. That's not Jair Alexander, at least not right now. Let's take a five-minute break. We'll come back with Mike Clemens on the horn, hear a little bit from Matt LaFleur. He said he had a really good conversation with A.J. Dillon today. We'll hear a little bit of that as well. Very excited to welcome Mike Clemens to the Wisco Sports Show. Coming up next. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Appreciate you listening, being here. We've walked in circles a couple of times tonight. It's been fun. Started with the Bucks in the NBA lounge, talked about the Packers, and then Binks appeared out of nowhere. Muds of hibernation is one of our Brewers callers. And it's like, hey, uh, what do you think about council? So we've been talked about that a little bit tonight as well. Mike Clemens is here now. We'll wrap up with some Packers talk. Mike has been up in Green Bay at the Bay Motel, who brings Mike uh, to us on all of our network shows. Mike, how are you doing today? Pretty good. Been pretty busy um, and still trying to sort of get a sense for what uh, are the Broncos problems? What are the things that the Packers are looking at? Um, I mean, that's just such a mess there. I'll tell you, I was actually kicking around the idea of saying to LaFleur today, um, listen, what what are the teaching moments of having a veteran coach like Sean Payton uh, telling a national publication in August that uh, – Last year's coaching staff in Denver was, was historically one of the worst of all time, mm-hmm. and now you're one in five. What, what's the teaching moment there? And I was told, yeah, not today. <laughs> Don't, let's, well, let's Mike, not I, I mentioned this earlier on in the show. Uh, you, you've worked in radio a long time. What do they say about sales? What's the best strategy in sales when you're, when you're promising things to clients? What do you always do? Uh, overpromise or uh, uh, underpromise and overdeliver. There you go. Uh, and Sean Payton walking in day one and saying, "Well, last year that was some of the worst we've ever seen." I, he might have felt it. Don't say it. You're setting yourself up to look dumb, and he's looked pretty dumb the last couple of weeks. And he's not a dumb guy. He's been one of the best in the league, and you know he turned around a franchise and won its first Super Bowl. And he was excellent, you know, on TV. As you know, he's a smart football guy. He's kind of, he's kind of uh, back and forth though in terms of the way he deals with the media. Long before uh, COVID, he was doing Zoom calls a couple of weeks. And I've asked some of the people that you know that cover the team down there because I was with a company where they, you know, the Saints were, you know, we had, were a flagship for us, the WWL, I think it is down there, and. 
Um, that part, you know, ticked off guys. Like, what do you mean we got to be on a conference call? We, you know, can we just meet with the guy? No, he just wants to do it from his office and not have to dress up in front of the TV cameras and all that. So when you're sitting there in New Orleans watching the, you know, the 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock news, it's, you know, you hear the coach's voice over a phone, and then they put the graphics of the quote up there. I mean, how d- how dumb is that, right? Mm-hmm. Impersonal. On the other hand, when you do meet with him, it's some. I mean, it's, you learn a lot about football from the guy, and you know he was almost, he was almost the Packers head coach. Uh, he, they interviewed him twice that week, but they went with Mike McCarthy, and they, a lot of people always thought that Sean Payton was pretty ticked off by that. He would have really liked the Packers job. But here's the thing is to, to me and looking at the Packers side now, I'll bet, well, you know, they're down short of a touchdown or so in that loss against the Falcons. And now this one against the Raiders uh, on Monday night football. And you're talking about Jordan love and, you know, the whole thing you were supposed to get this guy three years ago. The plan was, all right, well, we'll build up that line and we'll get a really good running game going. And we'll do all this misdirection in the backfield to take all the pressure off the arm of a young quarterback. And so what do they do? Aaron Jones uh, has been out since the Bears game. He missed three or four games. Took just a couple of snaps, you know, in that blowout against the Lions. Uh, And and A.J. Dillon's just not up to speed for some reason. So they don't have a running game. You know, they pick up a James Robinson guy who was an undrafted player who had – 1,400 yards for the Jaguars two or three years ago in his rookie season. He's now on your practice squad. But what are they really seriously doing for the running game outside of A.J. Dillon? So Aaron Jones, now it looks like he's going to be back. You know, he, uh, we had a long, very good conversation with him yesterday, very upfront and honest. He he said it was a bite when he ran in for that touchdown. But obviously there was more to it, and the hamstrings are tricky. And I think one thing I learned uh, yesterday that I had not known in five years of Matt LaFleur is, you know, it's like, okay, player gets hurt, player gets looked at in a tent, player goes into the locker room, whatever, player now becomes property of the training room, and reports go upstairs to Brian Goodikens. But at the end of the day, this decision was made of Aaron Jones is out there in the Saturday practice. I was at that one before we got on the plane and went to Vegas. And and when they were running a, a scrimmage, in, and he was running in the back of the end zone, all of a sudden, uh, Jeez, you know, he tweaked it again. He tweaked it again. You ever had a hamstring pull? No, uh, but mostly, like, I never played football, and I was never a sprinter. Like, any running that I would ever do, it was the shortest distance I would ever run is a 400 in track. So I've never had a hammy. We had running backs at my high school that were setting records, you know, in in short sprints in track in the spring. Uh, and they were they were good football players, but they, they'd pull their hamstring and they'd be gone for three or four weeks. And you'd say, "Come on, man!" And then it wasn't until I was about 28 years old and I was still play, still playing in some league, and some dude I was quarterback and looking for somebody to, to throw to, I got pushed out of bounds. I pulled both hamstrings. You can't walk. Yeah, it feels like it feels like waffle irons on the back of your thighs. As a matter of fact, Christian Watson, I saw him in the locker room in Vegas. Of course, he's been dealing with this hamstring situation since the last week at camp, and they put this that black tape mm-hmm. on the back of both your thighs. You know, it's almost like to hold things together. Anyway, Aaron Jones. Uh, so we asked him yesterday, why did you miss the Raiders game on Monday Night Football uh, in Vegas? 
Uh, I had a little setback. I t- tweaked it a little bit on the, the Saturday. I was feeling good all week and uh, going for a ball in the back of the end zone. Uh, tweaked it, and so uh, I was I was still hoping I could play. I was feeling feeling okay after, um, but Coach Coach Ford was like, uh, I don't have a good feeling about this. You just tweaked it. I haven't seen you run full speed. Must be smart. And like I said, Coach LaFleur always has my best interests in mind, so um, I always respect him for that. And um, it, it definitely was bothering me to sit out. Me and him were sitting there contemplating it for a long time. Um, and he was just like, I don't feel good about it. So. Well, especially rolling up onto the bye, Mike, you have a chance to then give him two weeks off, especially with this. You'd hate to not have AJ or not have Aaron Jones against the Broncos because the Broncos are such a susceptible defense. This is a, a game you expect you should be able to move the ball and do some nice things, and it would be so dumb to play him going into the bye and then to get him hurt for another month. I, I like the approach of holding him out. We learned this week, and I heard and, and read in a couple of places that this is as good as he's felt since week one. Were you hearing the same things? Yeah, but what I heard there too is this veteran player who's now more honest than ever before, saying, you know, I have this injury. I tell Coach about it. Coach and I talk, and it's like, um, you know what? If that's what you're feeling, and I haven't really seen you go 100% out here yet, I'm not convinced that you're ready. Let's just, you know, let's bench you. Sure. And he, he's disciplining a player that wants to get out there. Uh, who Those guys are always looking over their shoulder in terms of job security. But I find this an interesting thing that it's not good against necessarily saying, here's your players for this week. I'm making the medical decisions. No, it's the, it's now the veteran coach talking to you know, his veteran guy and saying, eh, Aaron, I don't like this. I don't feel good about this. Let's yeah. just, I'll tell Goody that you know, we're going to rest you again on Monday night. So I, that's just interesting. I find that interesting. Now, Matt LaFleur. So, all right. After A.J. Dillon, what, 31, Emmanuel Wilson. He's just sitting on the bench. This is a kid that, you know, had an 80-yard run against the Bengals and, and, and had a, a standout run when LaFleur finally said, okay, the defense has now won five days in a row during this period of training camp. We have this competition period. Um, let's open it up. Let's, let's have live tackling today. And guess what made the difference? Um, it's this 31 this kid from a small school in Georgia who busts out on the left-hand side and runs for a touchdown. Why? Because now the defense had to be more accountable. They actually had to bring this guy down, and they saw the speed and the Jets. Why isn't he getting more snaps out there, Matt LaFleur? You know, there's a learning curve for every young player in this league, and you just got to prove it through practice. And, um, you know, he's a talented guy, no question about it. But it's just that trust that he can go out there no matter what the defense gives us that he's going to be able to go out there and execute because it's not just running the football it's protections it's all that if i was emmanuel wilson you know and i heard this from matt lafleur i'd be thinking oh okay so luke musgrave is perfectly executing every play every time like we know that's not true so this is an offense full of young guys right so emmanuel wilson even if he's making mistakes heck he'd fit right in out there it's, and it's this whole thing that the national guys, I think, have got a point on, starting with the Jonathan Taylor story. Like, what the hell is with you guys in the NFL? I mean, you keep on, you know, pushing aside, ah, we really don't need running backs. And then the minute your offense stinks, well, we don't have a running game. Mm-hmm. Well, what have you done to develop it? You know, it's, it's Aaron Jones, outstanding. It's A.J. Dillon who's supposed to be, you know, pounded in ground and get you that stuff down there in the red zone. And then it's one more speed. You know, if Aaron Jones has to leave in the middle of the game, then you bring in the number three running back, and he ought to know enough to help you 
you know, keep the play action honest. And instead, he's sitting on the bench. He's got a handful of snaps. And what else did they do? Patrick Taylor, who's a player I personally like, I think he's hard-nosed and all-around, and I don't understand why he's not on the field as your number three running back, period, all the time. Uh, they come out of the Raiders game, and it's like, you know, he's still Patrick Taylor. He's not getting any better. Yeah, he's pretty good on special teams. They released him. Again, this time it feels like it might be his last. He's been released and picked up and gone through the practice squad thing, uh, like a, literally like a revolving door for the last two years. But at the end of the day, they just say, we think Emmanuel Wilson has a lot of potential. He's an athlete. He's just not ready yet. So I, I talked about this to A.J. Dillon. I said, I don't understand. One minute, you guys – are, you know, the running game is why it was supposed to be the future, supposed to be the plan. Uh, and and now it's all on your shoulders. You had that one good drive where he, you know, 20 yards, uh, got a fourth and one, I think, then, you know, ended up Somebody going in for a touchdown. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, something's bleeding through on the computer. <laughs> something's bleeding through on the computer here. Sorry about that, Mike. <laughs> good timing for the drop-in. No kidding. So, so I said to A.J. Dillon, between yep. Emmanuel Wilson, now that Patrick Taylor's released, and even his rookie year, he's a top draft pick. Remember, he had to sit on the bench before they gave Quadzilla a chance. What's going on with getting running backs on the field? Yeah, I mean, uh, we got a talented room. I mean, you, you know, there's every – I mean, you brought up Patrick. I mean, he's a guy who's been here since my rookie year. I know he was on draft and everything, but, you know, he was a heck of a player, heck of a, you know, teammate. Um, as far as Emmanuel, I really don't like to talk too much about other players, but what I can say is, He's a great dude, great teammate. He comes out to work every day. And his progress, um, I mean, from when he's gotten here to week in, week out, um, he's really improving and continuing to go out there and show, you know, why he is here. Um, I think people lose sight. You know, he's on the 53-man roster. There's less than 2,000 people playing in the NFL right now. So, uh, you know, he's obviously a great player, probably more talented than 99.9% of people even know or have ever met. Um, So, you know, he's a great player. And... um, you know, opportunities come. I mean, you, you brought it up. I was second-round pick. I think I only had less than 50 carries my rookie year. You show up where you can. Availability is the best thing you can be. Uh, it's a long season, as we brought up, and uh, there's a lot of opportunities. You just got to wait for your number to be called, and, you know, I think he's done a good job stepping in when they have put him out there. Availability is the best ability. I love that expression, Mike. Two takeaways. The, the first is I can see why the Packers like this guy. He's really well-spoken. He seems to get it. He has a good big-picture perspective of of how this all works. And then he said what I was thinking towards the end of his answer. A.J. Dillon probably felt this way at one point in time. He was drafted in the second round, and he had to sit behind Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams for a year. It's not like they tried to find ways to use him, just like the Packers aren't trying to find ways to use Emmanuel Wilson right now. Well, they're not really cracking down on the offensive line's performance like they were on challenging Josh Myers, the center, Mm -hmm. publicly, you know, during the mini camp and the start of training camp. Um, They maybe have suggested that A.J. Dillon, uh, you know, needs a lower pad level. Uh, Okay, lower pad level. I don't know. It's, it's, uh, to me, uh, you just like to see them, if, if you don't have your stud Aaron Jones out there, and there's, there are veteran NFL defensive coaches that say, when Aaron Jones is on the field, you have to totally change your game plan for the Green Bay Packers. And when he's off, it's a lot easier game plan to put together. So uh, one other little thing that's fun. Um, J.J. Enigbari, 
the outside linebacker that did some really good work in his rookie season, a late round draft pick. And then when you lose Rashawn Gary, you know, he, he, I think he's a good player and he's, he's growing into it. And I found out that he went to a spa in Lake Geneva, Wisconsin, uh, during the, uh, uh, the bye week last week with a girlfriend, a couple of other friends and players. And so I had this little interview with him uh, getting to the bottom of what the hell is a sugar scrub.
injury designations, that sort of thing. Let's take one final break. Last segment of the Wisco Sports Show coming up next. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Wisco Sports Show. Appreciate y'all listening tonight. Mike Clemens, a gem as always. I would love to get a sugar scrub with Mike Clemens. I think of suits. You know, Lewis Litt going mudding with his coworkers and with his friends. I'd get a good mud on with Mike Clemens. Bill Mike, Bill would need a big tub. Big tub for the big unit. A lot of mud. Tomorrow, tomorrow, I'm in for Bill Michaels if you want to spend even more time together. On Bill's show tomorrow, we're going to hear from Ryan Glassbeagle, New York Post. Ty Dunn, Go Long, Perry Goldstein, Packs What She Said podcast, Pack-A-Day podcast. Part of the Andy Herman uh, crowd, put it that way. And we'll hear from Mike Clements in the 1 o'clock hour as well. Uh, you'll get plenty of takes and, and recaps from some of the things that are said during Bill's show on tomorrow night's Wisco Sports Show as well. So six hours we can spend together. Give me a call during Bill's show tomorrow. I'd love to uh, take over his statewide network as we do every time. Uh, it's always a good time. Enjoy the baseball tonight. Enjoy Thursday night football. I'll be back tomorrow at 10 a.m. Bill Michael's show. Otherwise, I'll talk to you tomorrow at 4. Me.